The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So let's continue our coverage of the latest school gun massacre in the United States. The dreadful things that happened in Texas and Uvalde this week. 21 killed, the vast majority children. 10 years on from the Sandy Hook massacre, which I suppose everyone hoped would never be repeated again. But unfortunately, school shootings remain so prevalent in the United States of America. To talk about it, we're joined by Lee Keelock, who is a former Sandy Hook high school teacher and he's director of global programs at Narrative 4. And Narrative 4 is an organisation that was co-founded by Colin McCann, who you'll have met many times on this programme over the years, Irish writer based in the United States. And before we talk to Lee, let's talk to Colm. Uh, Colm, just actually, can you tell us about Narrative 4 and how this links in uh, to the issue of school shootings, please? Yeah, um, it's such a, a, a pleasure to talk to you, Matt, on, on, on such a sad occasion. And, um, you know, there really are no words for it, And but but de- definitely we, we, we can't embrace silence. The thing about Narrative 4, it's a global organisation that gets young people together uh, to step into one another's shoes and to tell one another's stories, to foster this idea of uh, radical empathy and to try to break down borders and boundaries um, and, and shatter stereotypes uh, through the use of storytelling and then action um, on the ground. And um, one of the things that, that, that we have done is we've brought um, seemingly divisive groups uh, together at various stages, including um, gun advocates and, and people who want gun control. Uh, and um, we have had them talk to one another to try to to re-nuance uh, the, the debate that, that goes on. Uh, and this is not just something that takes place in the States, but, you know, we're based in Limerick uh, in, in, in for Narrative 4, and we're uh, in uh, several countries in Africa, and in fact, uh, expanding all around the world. We do find that the, the exchange of personal stories tends to, um, you know, increase levels of, of, of empathy and, and change things for people on the ground. But that's interesting because we've been hearing an awful lot from this week on the programme, people who are just absolutely appalled by the use of guns, the prevalence of guns in the United States. Now, we did have Cal Thomas on as well, defending the right to bear arms while at the same time uh, being appalled by what actually happened in Uvalde in Texas this week. How difficult is it for people particularly who have been the victims of gun crimes to actually sit and hear advocates for gun use or at least gun possession have their say i think it's it, i think it's incredibly uh, incredibly difficult especially if if the issue becomes one of you know absolute right and wrong i mean one of the things that's going on uh, in our society these days is that we're you know we're diseased with certainty you only come into the room if you look like me or if you sound like me or you vote like me but the thing about it is that when we get to meet people, when we get to talk to people, it becomes so much more nuanced. And one simple example of this is we brought kids from the South Bronx uh, together with kids from Kentucky. They, you'd think they were a million miles apart, one primarily black and, and immigrant, one primarily white and Cherokee, one very red-leaning or Trump-leaning, one very uh, democratic. And one of the things that happened was that one of the young girls was paired with one of the boys who had a shotgun in the back of his pickup truck. And what she didn't 
uh, understand and what she finally understood was that he was using the, the, the shotgun uh, to kill uh, to kill rabbits, to put food on his family. And she had never realized that white families in America could be quite that poor. Now, that's not um, I'm, I'm not advocating for, for 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 guns in this sense, but I'm advocating for uh, for for nuance and, um, and 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 for us to start listening to uh, to one another. Uh, but, sorry, and, Colin, you see, terms. that's what strikes me as very interesting about the way the United States has developed in recent times is that people sort of go into a box and they don't listen to anyone outside of that box. And it's not just media, you know, suddenly you become a Fox News viewer and you only believe what you hear on Fox News because it plays to your existing prejudices and you don't listen to anything else. And at the same time, those who listen to CNBC or whoever don't actually see what's happening on Fox News or reject anything from it. So it seems everyone's, everything and everyone in the United States at present seems so polarised. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're correct. This isn't... Uh, th- this is a cold civil war um, at this stage. But one of the things that you find is, um, you know, if you bring people together, if you're if you're able to sort of harness the, the power of teachers and teachers are, are, are my heroes, the Irish teachers, the teachers in, in, in the United States, they're at the forefront of the sort of democratic engagement. Um, if we can uh, start to 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 listen to uh, to one another in different ways. I mean, it doesn't sound. Hopefully, it doesn't sound kumbaya to people because, um, you know, I know how dark it is. I know how appalling it is. Uh, you know, I am sickened to the core at um, you know the, the 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 very mention of of, of these 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 massacres uh, that that go on. But one of the things that we have to do uh, is uh, we have to. Uh, get together and, and, and talk about these things, because um, if we don't understand the other's point of view, then we're starting from, um, you know, we're starting from, from, from zero. And that's not a good idea. Before I bring Lee Keelock into the conversation, Colm, how do you, did you get to know Lee? Well, Lee, um, it, it, it was a fantastic um, and, and very tragic introduction that we had to one another. Um, Lee was there uh, for the um, for w- when the shootings took place, um, and uh, it's almost Hook. ten years in Sandy Hook, and and um, he uh, he wrote to me and he asked, could uh, he use a book that I'd written called "Let the Great World Spin" uh, to um, negotiate the idea of grief. Uh, and healing with um, with uh, some of the, the the high schoolers, and um, it was a, a letter that I still have. <clears throat> I have it propped up on my my desk here in front of me. Uh, it broke my heart in many ways, and I went up and I talked with Lee, and I talked with the high school students, and we negotiated um, some of the grief and some of the the, the difficulties through the idea of uh, stories and storytelling. Uh, let's talk to Lee Keelock. Lee, thank you very much for taking the time to join us. As a former Sandy Hook High School teacher, I can only imagine how appalled you must have been this week by what happened in Texas and the memories it must have brought back for you. How did you feel on hearing the news of this latest atrocity? Well, thanks for having me, um, first of all. The, I mean, it's a, you have to become reacquainted with the horror every time something like this happens. I wrote years ago, I wrote um, an essay and I think one of the first lines was, you know, that, that, that Sandy Hook was one of the signature horrors of our 
of our time. And, you know, sadly, that line doesn't ring true anymore because here we are, you know, with a sort of copycat killing um, almost 10 years later. And it just reacquaints you with the horror of that day every time. And and I was a teacher in the high school, so I was just up the street from uh, from the elementary school that experienced it firsthand. Um, and but you the knew many that of parents, spent, didn't you, of some of the children who died? Yeah, I knew three. Three of them are my friends. Yeah, and one of them, um, one of them, sadly, two years ago, took his own life in, um, you know, because he couldn't handle that pain anymore. And a lot of that pain stems from. Um, a lot of the pain stems from being reacquainted all the time. Every time a mass shooting happens, it's like a, a, a thousand deep paper wounds, paper cuts, right? It just brings you right back to that moment. So it's numbing and it's uh, debilitating at the same time. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine uh, being in the situation of it happening in your own town and then having it brought back up again. And then the other thing I suppose also when we talk about narratives and stories is how offensive it has been, Lee, over the years that people have tried to deny that Sandy Hook ever took place or that it was some sort of what they call a false flag operation. I mean, how offensive has that been to the people of Sandy Hook? Yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate offence to, to um, you know, negate the loss of life, right? To, to sort of um, cast aside the the idea that that somebody didn't uh, somebody wasn't killed there were there were 26 people killed at that moment and that's exponential the amount of people that 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 sort of suffering uh, touched right that's it, it ripples out massively so it's just profane that anyone would would think that it didn't happen um, you know the graves are there the school is there the, um, the the trauma is still there for many people and I suppose the thing that we've been struggling to understand on this side of the Atlantic this week is why it is that people, adults, even if it's an 18-year-old in the case in Texas, would go into a school and kill children. I mean, it's bad enough that we, we fail to understand here in Ireland perhaps this desire to carry and use guns on a regular basis to have assault rifles but the idea of killing children and that it happens not just here, not just in Sandy Hook, but it's happened in so many schools for decades in the United States. What is it? As you've tried to come to terms and understanding this, what have you found about what it is of the psychology of that? I mean, I can't even get close to, to the thought. I mean, it's a, it's a brain health issue, right? I mean, the average person doesn't wake up one day and just say that's what they're going to do. There's a complete disconnect um like the 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 young man that that walked into the school um in in sandy hook was somebody who was pulled out of school and homeschooled for two years before he committed that heinous sort of act so he had no connection very little connection to the community or to humanity at that point and and he was sort of left um in an isolated state so i think you know when you you put put somebody with that sort of, um, you know, brain health issues, and then you give them access to guns. I mean, the two is a volatile um, moment. And I think that one of the reasons I wrote to Colm um, in Narrative 4, I didn't know about Narrative 4 at the time, um, and was a way to collapse the sort of distance between people, right, to build community between people and connection that even if you have one or two moments of connection in your life with somebody that you, you might, you would never be able to sort of, you know, harm somebody else if you have that, that sort of uh, 
connection to somebody. So it's really, it's really about how do we foster that and become preemptive, and how do you connect people so um, uniquely and profoundly that they they just cannot do those acts of violence. And those conversations that you have through Narrative 4, have you come to a greater understanding of why it is so many Americans are wedded to the idea of having guns and why so many people think that the appropriate way of dealing with the potential is to turn schools into some sort of almost like prison fortresses? I mean, for me, it's the question is what... You have to get to the question of before the gun, right? What what sort of motivates people to to buy a gun or to, to be an owner of a gun. And there are many nuances to that, as Colm was alluding to, right? There is fear, people um, who are fearful of the other, right? If, if you haven't um, been on proximity with the people, it's easy to sort of vilify people that, that are over there, right? Or if you can other them. There's personal safety issues, right? Sometimes you live in environments that people think they need a gun for protection, um, you become part of a group, a sense of identity. So for me, it's always the question before the gun, what motivates people to buy, to purchase, to use, to train their kids um, that this is the sort of solution, right? I think there are other solutions, obviously. Colin McCann, are you hopeful about America finding solutions? Well, I think one of the things is that you can't give up on the presumption of hope. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm hopeful uh, right now. I mean, we lose eight children and teenagers to gun violence every single day in the United States. Sorry, sorry how many? Eight if, every if, single day? Eight every single day. And it, so if a mysterious virus so, sort of showed up um, and started taking away eight children and teenagers, uh, you know, from, from, from our streets... Um, you know, you know that the, the that that the political forces would mobilize, the medical forces, the scientific forces would mobilize, but a lot of this is about money. It is about fear, as Lee says. But the um, the uh, the firearms industry, like the t- tobacco industry, um, you know, has a hold on the uh, on the imagination. And one of the things that's going to emerge in the years to come is how sort of brainwashed uh, people have become in relation to uh, a lot of these political issues and how manipulated uh, we have have become too and how we have been forced into those little rooms where we we, we are, have our disease of certainty about ourselves and, 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 and everyone else. I mean, um, 80% of Americans, this is a well-known statistic, 80% of Americans want background checks. There's probably 0% chance that you're going to get it because of the, the, the lobbying that goes, uh, goes on and, and something fundamental has to come from uh, underneath. I think some uh, Greta Thunberg has got to come out from from one of these schools, and and the Parkland kids in Florida uh, have done uh, done some fantastic things. But it has to come to a point of inflection, um, where uh, people are just so outraged that 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 it just can't happen anymore. It's difficult to have hope, but you can't give up on the presumption of it. We leave it there. Colin McCann, author and co-founder of Narrative 4, thank you for joining us with Lee Keelock, who is now Director of Global Programmes at Narrative 4. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.